Welcome to the Connecting Greeks podcast. We're connecting the Greek community all over the world through media, technology, and love for our culture. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Connecting Greeks podcast. On today's show, we have a very special guest, Bob Krantz. Bob is an actor, a writer, an author, a filmmaker. He's an entrepreneur. He does so many things. And today we sit with him and we learn a little bit more about his life. So join us as we learn more about Bob Krantz. Even though, even though you know, we've, uh, we've, we've been together for over 20 years working together and uh, we've done so many things directly and indirectly, it's, uh, it's refreshing to actually kind of connect or reconnect with you here on our program. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm sure you've got a busy schedule and considering everything going on. Uh, how are you, uh, Bob? Life, you know, all things considered, life is great. You know, it's obviously it's a very strange time uh, with COVID and all the uh, turmoil in the, the States right now. Um, but having, you know, all those things considered, thank God, my kids are, you know, healthy. My wife's healthy. I'm healthy. And well, that's, I'm just just, that's number one. Um, yeah. And um, and then also, too, I'm really just, I don't know how it all came about, but thank God the, the last movie we did, Faith, Hope, and Love, became a hit. And uh, that's it's great. a great feeling, that, you know, having that out there. And um, it's on Netflix now, and we're also selling the DVD from our site. And the response to it has just been I can't even describe it. It's uh, I jokingly always say, you know, my mom, God rest her soul, she couldn't have written better fan letters to me oh. than these people have written letters yes. to God. You know, my mom, I'm telling you, if she was alive, uh, if, if my mother was alive, we've probably gotten ten to 20,000 letters and emails. My mother would have read every one of them. She would have read every one, you know. And I guarantee you, I'd have gone over and said, what did you think, mom? Well, there was a lady in Nebraska. I didn't like. She didn't seem excited about the movie. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. So, so Bob, I mean, for the for the folks, so the those that are just listening in who don't really know about, you know, Robert Krantz, um, as a Greek American, you know, it's exciting for me and an honor to have you part of our network. Your your background is fascinating. Um, for those of you that don't, for those that don't know you, actor, writer. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, yeah. where you started and how this all began and so forth? Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, <laughs> so Krantz is not Greek, right? I was just let's about start, to say, you got to square that away because they're going to be like, what? <laughs> you, you had to go to Krantz after uh, one or two other Greeks. Um, <laughs> Krantz is sure from Karunzos. That's where I got Christmas with the Karunzos from. Uh-huh. Um, my, my father was a Karunzos and my mom was a Panatsopoulos, which they shortened to Terrace. And so uh, I'm 100% Greek, but it, the weirdest thing is hardly anybody that just looks at it says, are you German or are you Jewish? And so yeah, that's, uh, I, I actually, when I first uh, was talking <laughs> with you way back, I, was, I, I just assumed you were Jewish, just right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Greek Inuari. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it should have been, and, you know, and then also it doesn't help that Bob, you know, that doesn't ring like very Greek. It's not George or Nick. So, so what's Bob? Bob what's Rob for? Paralambos. There you go. 
in his body. So, um, so it should have been Jeramos Carunzos. But what happened was when my uh, dad came back from World War II, they were starting up their business and whatnot, and they wanted to assimilate more because there was such a prejudice against Greeks back then that they came with more of a German sounding name, which was Kranz. And I remember one day we were out at some place where there was a phone book and my, I was going through it or my dad was going through it and he pointed and he said, you know, that's, that was our name. I can still remember that moment. And clearly, wow. I think it, it, it must've bugged me that we switched it. And, they, and I've said to my kids multiple times, do you want to switch it back? And we thought about it. I thought about switching it back to Carunzos. Um, but one of these days, I just might, I don't know. It, 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 I, you know, I remember when my parents were alive, I told my dad that, and he said, so how am I going to introduce you that? <laughs> I was like, you know, I worked my whole life for that name, Cranston, and that's going to be my son, Caruso. Well, uh, in, my opinion, in my opinion, Bob, like, they did that because they needed to do that, and, right. you know, it, it is what it is, and I think right. it's fine, and, you know, it is, that's who you are now, and, and it doesn't mean anything less for the Greeks. It's just they needed to do what they did. Yeah, no, I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, times were different. So here's the, uh, here's the thumbnail sketch of how I got to where I'm at. I grew up in Wisconsin and had absolutely no um, – there was nothing that read, you're going to go and be in the film business. There was just nothing. And I've thought about it a lot lately, like how in the hell did I end up what, know, what brought you, what brought you who what brought your parents to Wisconsin? Um, they they came over. You know, Greeks always go near water, right? So there was, you know, lakes <laughs> there, there geez, Wisconsin, great lakes. And um, my my yaya was a forerunner for women. She had a business that she started on. She, you know, typical immigrant. She couldn't speak or read, but she started a business. And then they moved to Greece. I think when my dad was born, so when he came back at six, he couldn't speak any English. So they eventually settled in Wisconsin, probably because of water and relatives and the usual stuff. And um, and then I, I was raised there, and I I ended up assimilating into the Greek community through church mainly. And um, I remember going to a camp when I was seventeen, my senior year in high school. And really, that camp changed my life. It was a, it was through our church, the uh, uh, Annunciation Church. And <clears throat> at that camp, um, it, so much changed in my life. I don't think I knew it at the time, but looking back, I I, I realized it. There was um, I was walking to lunch one day, and there was a lady named Faye Colster, and I had just there was some magazine that said, "Do you want to be in the movies?" And I wrote in my little thing. I'm like, Oh yeah, I would love to be an extra in a movie or whatever I wrote. And something just inside of me told me, this is what you're supposed to do. And I was walking with Faye and I said to Faye, you know, something tells me I'm supposed to be in the, in the film business. And she started laughing. She's a very sweet person. She was like one of those people, she's still alive. One of those people that's a very genuine person. And I didn't expect her to laugh. And then she turned around, she looked at me and she could see that I was serious and she said, well, let's pray about it then. And I was just thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, I didn't, I, I, I was just asking cause I thought my buddy Teddy and everything were going to come around the corner. Like, dude, what are you doing praying in the middle of the field here? You know? So I, uh, but we prayed and she said, God, if, if, um, if this is your will for Bob, 
clear path for him. That was it. And that was it. It was done. And so we just started walking. I was like, okay, all right. But the irony is uh, decades and decades. Actually, it was for Faith, Hope, and Love. I was, um, I was at a screening, and she was there. And I said, Faye, do you remember? She goes, I remember it like it was yesterday. And we've stayed in touch through the years. And uh, so from that, I ended up going to Arizona State. And for two years, I was a pre-law major. And the second year, there was a movie that came there called Night Kill with uh, Robert Mitchum, Jacqueline Smith, who was, you know, she was it back. That was the, the girl back then. And I somehow ended up getting to be, because of my fraternity brother, I ended up getting a job as a production assistant, a PA, which is like the lowest on the totem pole there. And I remember picking Robert Mitchum up from the airport. And I remember watching the dailies and being on the set. From the moment I started that process, I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. But it was literally like looking up at the moon wow, and having no clue how to get there. No clue whatsoever. And not only that, being afraid to death to tell your Greek mother and father, oh. I'm thinking of going in the movie business. But you know, it's like, you know, I think I mentioned it to my parents one night. And I said, I'm thinking of transferring, applying to film school. It was crickets. My dad was just, I think he either gave the phone to my mother or, you know, back then it wasn't like today where, you, you know, you call and talk all day. Back then we were, my dad would say, if everything's okay, when you call up, say it's a collect call from Mr. Kala. And we'll wow. refuse it, but we'll just know you're good. <laughs> That's how we were saving money. So nice. it's bad, Mr. Kaka, and we'll pick up and we'll talk to you. What's up, you know? So saying you're going to go into um, the film business was, that just wasn't in the cards. But I do remember my mom saying at one point, hey, look, if you really want to do this and you think it's right for you, uh, go ahead and apply and back then I was just saying, look, I want to go to film school. I didn't even broach the acting thing because I thought that's going to go over like a, even a worse lead balloon. So, but to my parents' credit, uh, what happened was they, uh, they were at a Christmas party <laughs> that year. Yeah. And they met, there was a guy there. Oh, I got to remember his name. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. He was a Greek guy that worked for the local TV station. And, um, Andy was his name. And he, um, he ended up knowing somebody who knew somebody who walked somebody's dog every other Thursday that went hiking. I mean, it was just like, uh, who, what do I got to do? And they go, go to the airport in Arizona this weekend. And I'm like, all right, who am I looking for? And they said, just, just go. You'll feel fine. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I go and this guy, the plane empties out. The guy taps me on the shoulder. He goes, are you Bob Kranz? And I thought, how in the world did he figure that out? And I go, how did you know? And he goes, you're the only guy in a three-piece suit in 90-degree heat. <laughs> so, so, and uh, his dad was there. And he said, um, his dad was, they were, they were both at US, work for USC, films, or USC in general. I was trying to get into film school. And he said, um, uh, look, if you wanted to get into dentist school, if you wanted to get into to a dental school, wanted to become a lawyer, goes, all that stuff, you know, I can help you with. He goes, but film school, it's just, it's the hardest one to get into. Really? I had, 
nothing on my resume that said, yeah, give this guy a shot. Nothing. Okay. And um, I was, I was just scrambling. And so they said, all right, sit tight. We'll see what we can do. And about a month later, he said, okay, fly into California. And uh, we want you to go to this place called the egg factory. I said, okay, gentlemen, there was time to do his name was Brian Flynn. And um, so I drove to this place called the egg factory and I walked in, I met this guy. His last name was Smith, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he asked me one question. Why do you want to be in the film business? And it just poured out of me for 15 minutes straight. I just gave him an answer and he said, okay. He said, thanks a lot. Um, I'll talk to you later. Okay. I didn't know what happened. And I had, I had been admitted to USC, but not to film school. And when I went to check, they said, now you're not in film school. So I had to call my father. And I can remember where I was standing. I was scared to death because, you know, and back then school was like $1,500 a year, but I was still scared to death. And I said, wow. I said, dad, um, I have to extend my education six months and I'm not in film school. And he said, don't worry about it. He was, you're doing the right thing. And um, I was so grateful for that. And then I found out right before school began that I got into film school and I called it Brian. I said, how did it happen? He said, that guy you were talking to at the, uh, he, uh, at the egg factory, that's George Lucas's right-hand man. Oh. And I said, what's the egg factory? He goes, that's, that's Lucas's company, but they call it the egg factory. So no one will bug him. Oh, I see. And he well, said, the guy liked you. He vouched for you. He goes, you're on probation. If you do bad, you're out. If you do good, you're in. And I went into class the first day we, we had a film due in a week. And I, I knew nothing about it. I walked into class after my first day of filming and the uh, teacher said, any questions? These guys all were so advanced. And I sucked up the wind and I said, Hey, I have a question is what is it? I go, I don't know how to focus the camera. And the, cra- the class just died laughing. <laughs> oh, and I can still remember the instructor. This shows you how much an impact it is. Mel Sloan. And Mel looked at me like it was the best and most important question he'd ever been asked. He was so serious. And that is all I needed is just someone to take me seriously. And I was, I ended up getting the highest grade in the class because, because, because they graded you on how much you improved. And I was so bad that uh, I ended up getting better at it. And I just worked and worked and worked. And That's a classic, um, great story of, and, you know, beginning. I worked so hard at it. I mean, I just, I just was unrelenting in it because I knew what I wanted to do, which at the time, um, Paul Newman and I think Warren Beatty and all those guys were writing and producing. They were acting, directing. And I knew that's where I wanted to head. And I was studying acting at night. uh, And I was doing this during the day. And I did that for two years. And then I got out with my degree. And then I started working as an actor. But still, it was so, you know, if my parents were alive, I would sit them both down and go, you know, I, I know how difficult that must have been for you to sure. see me go into a field that was so foreign from anything our family ever did, number one. And number two, um, to, you know, I was questioning it. 
am I doing this just for an ego thing? Is it something cute to do? Or is this really what I'm called to do? And to give you a, to underscore that, um, I was 20, I think it was 20, 21 years old. And I was so confused, but I thought this is what God wanted me to do that I went into St. Sophia's church in downtown um, Los Angeles. And I went in there alone and I got my knees in one of the pews. And I just said, God, I think this is what you want me to do with my life. And if I'm wrong, stop me at any point. Stop me. You can do whatever you want. Just you can pull this. Stop me completely. Or don't give me any work or anything. I'll, I'll get the message. But I think this is what you called me to do. And I'm going to do it as hard as I can until you tell me to stop. And the second thing I said when I was there was, I also, I'm going to come back here at some point with the woman that I want to marry. And I'm going to propose to her in front of you. I didn't think about that too much, to be honest with you. I just, I knew that's going there and praying like that was just what I had to do. But now that my children are that age and I look at them I think I would pass out if they told me they did that because I don't know where I got that from. You know, that, that conviction of being with God and saying to God, I, I know I have to do this, but with your blessing. And I, in looking back on my life, if I had to pick three of the most important days of my life, I think that would be one of them. And I didn't realize it for years because I think it was 11 or 12 years later, I did come back to that church with my wife and I proposed to her there. And again, I didn't think that much of it other than that. I know when you build your house, you build it on rock and proposing in front of God with his blessing, that's on rock for me. And uh, it wasn't until probably 20 something years into our marriage that I started to think back on that day and think, you know what? you know what I think occurred to me was how much it must have meant to God for me to come there and propose and have his blessing because there were certain things that happened in our marriage, you know, that you just, no matter how good you, for the first 20 plus years of my life, I thought, man, I really know how to pick them. I really picked a great wife. I, man, I must have been. And then after certain things happened, I thought, there's no way I could have figured this out ahead of time. For example, my my mother-in-law had a brain aneurysm, and it was just life-shattering for us to almost lose her. And when you go through that, and when I lost my yaya and my parents, and you go through the ups and downs of life and traumatic ups and downs of life, um, you don't know. I didn't know how my wife. I had an idea. Yeah, I thought about it a lot, but I think God knew, and so. That day was a life-changing moment for me. Um, And I think that God, I think this is what God put me here to do. So I got out of college um, and I started to work as an actor. And that decade was so hard. It was so hard. So so tell us a little bit about now that you've got the opportunities to act, what were some of the most memorable moments of acting for you? They were all memorable for different reasons. Each, each experience was a, a memory. For example, if you watch the movie Faith, Hope, and Love, you'll see there's a waitress in, that, in the movie. And 
she happened to be on Matlock that I did. Matlock. I did Matlock 20 something years ago. Wow. And I was telling her that experience was, uh, it was, I think probably the fourth or fifth um, TV show or movie that I'd done. And you're still just like, do I have it? I don't know. I think I'm pretty good. I'm not sure. What role did you play in Matlock? It's it's the opening of the show. It's an episode. So I was in one episode. Oh, episode. Okay. <laughs> I play a DJ that gets shot. And okay. um, and what happened was we were, it was right before Thanksgiving break. And they were shooting everybody's scene. And at the very end of the day, like, okay, Bob, set up. And I'm supposed to be hitting all these buttons and saying all this stuff. And it was complex to say the least, but I'm thinking, all right, two or three, four takes, I'm going to be good. And the entire crew and cast and everyone was just staring at me like, hey, one take and get us out of here. It's Thanksgiving break. And I just thought, oh my God, each take was probably three minutes, four minutes. So, and I remember I did it in the first take and I looked up and the director looked at me and I go, do you want anything else? He goes, I think we're done. And I maybe did one other take, but that was memorable for the reason that it began to show me um, that I was developing. And I, I'll take it back a few years earlier. You guys may remember a thing called St. Elmo's Fire. Oh, absolutely. Right? So I auditioned. What's that? Emilio Estevez? I auditioned with all those guys. I was reading with them. Wow. And I remember... I was reading with him. I was just starting out. And I remember my dear friend, Gary called me up afterwards. He's like, well, all right, how, how are they? How are we, how do we compare to them? And I remember I said to him on our best day, we're as good as them, but on every day they're better than us right now. Wow. And, so, and, and it was just my honest opinion, but I knew we were going to get better. And I knew we were going to catch them. And I knew it may take me a long time but I was going to be tenacious about it. I went and studied with some of the greatest acting coaches ever, Stella Adler and Peggy Fury and Bobby Lewis, some of the great heavyweights of acting instruction. And um, so I just was relentless in studying. But while I was studying that, I was also studying dance, which was crazy because I just fell in love with dance. And um, anyway, back to your question, one of the other ones that I get, (laughs) <laughs> it was so memorable. One of my classes I was in with Peggy Fury, there was a guy named Eric Stoltz in there. And uh, everyone was in there. Uh, you know, Meg I love Eric Stoltz. What's that? I love Eric Stoltz. Yeah, he was great. I mean, Meg uh, Ryan was in the class. Um, Sean Penn, his brother was in the Chris Penn. They were all Nick Cage. Uh, everyone was in the class. It was, all the, it was all the heavyweights of that time were in the class. And, um, and so I'm studying, watching. And so Eric's gone. I'm like, hey, what happened to Eric? They go, oh, he's filming a new movie. I'm like, oh, cool. And uh, what was it called? They go, Back to the Future. All right, cool. So about, I don't know, two, three weeks later, he comes back in. I'm thinking, I wonder, he was the lead in that film. Like, what happened? Well, he ended up, he ended up getting replaced in that film. And so they got the new guy. It was Michael J. Fox. And then about, I don't know, two or three days later, uh, my agent called him and said, hey, they want you to do a scene in that movie, Back to the Future. And I go, oh, that thing's going to be a bomb. Eric came back. And, if you know, Eric's a great actor. And if the, if he's back, something's got to be wrong with that film. She goes, would you want to do it? And I go, ah, you know, I'll do it. I'm going to go to class that night. So I'll do it on the way to class. <laughs> so I get to the set. And uh, 
And it's like, I don't know, two in the afternoon, I'm waiting, five in the afternoon, class is like at seven, I'm like, oh, this is going to be tough. Seven o'clock rolls around, I'm like, oh, man, what a waste this is. Midnight rolls around, now now, Sachi Parker's doing the scene with me, she's Shirley McLean's daughter, and we're looking at each other, we're like, okay, you know what, we're going to go for golden time. Golden time's like, they pay you like triple. And so like four in the morning is golden time, I go out there and Bob Zemeckis is out there, and I have a scene. And I hear in the darkness, hey, Bob Kranz. I go, yeah. And he goes, just say that's George McFly. And I'm like, are you joking? He goes, no, that's it. Just say that's George McFly. I go, all right, whatever. <laughs> so the scene happens, and I'm just thinking, Crispin Glover is in my class, too, the guy that plays Mr. McFly. Marty. I mean, Marty, I'm yeah. Marty. Uh, Marty, yeah. And so he does the scene. I say, that's Stuart McFly. Pack up my stuff. I go home. <laughs> I'm thinking. And then about six months later, I get a flyer. Hey, you're invited as part of the cast and crew screening this film. And I'm thinking, eh, I'll go. So I took my girlfriend at the time. And I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of cute. Like, she'll see me in the scene. I'll go, who was that? And, you know, whatever. And about halfway through the film, I'm looking up. And I think, holy mackerel. This thing is going to be a hit. And I'm thinking, what was my line? What did I say? What was my part? I this is, dear Jesus, please let me be in this movie. Because I knew if you were in this film halfway through it, you're going to get money for the rest of your life. <laughs> you're going to be in a hit film. And sure enough, if you watch the film, uh, my scene rolls around. And, uh, and I say that line, that's George McFly. And, uh, that that, that's crazy scenes. thinking about this now because I've seen that movie a million times. I've worked with you for years, and it didn't even hit me until just now that that's you, and now that changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, one of the funny stories of that was I, um, when my kids were young, I never talked about what I did for, for ages. I mean, I, I think they probably were about, I don't know, mm-hmm. eight, nine, ten years old before they even had a clue what I was doing because I just didn't talk about it. And also because once they were born, which I'll talk about in a second, I stopped doing everything other than building up my company, Elinas Multimedia, um, because I knew I just had one focus, and that was to be a great father. And so um, I didn't talk about it, but one night I thought, all right, this would be cool. I'll play Back to the Future, and they'll, they'll be like, oh, my God, Dad, you're so cool. <laughs> and so up comes the the scene, you know, and – I say my line, that's George McFly, and I look over at my kids thinking, like, to get a reaction, I'm telling you, all three boys, nothing. So I said to my wife, wait, 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 hold on. Let's, let's rewind that for a second. I said, guys, what, what did he say? What did that guy say? And he said, I don't know, Dad, you're ruining it. You're ruining it. Just come on, keep going. I go, no, wait, wait, wait. Let's watch it one more time. We watch it again. Nothing. And I go, hold on. It's like, wait. And I walk up to the TV. We got a big TV. Dad. You're killing the movie. Like, who cares what that guy said? (laughs) And I freeze it on my face. And I go, who is that guy? And then they pause. They go, oh, my gosh, it's Theo Demo. (laughs) (laughs) Theo Demo. I go, that's me. Like, no, it's not. I go, no, it is. (laughs) Oh, man. So God humbles you. But anyway, those are some of the ones. And then. I did Onassis, which was great. I did the Billionaire you Boys Club, which was great. You um, know what? Now that you mentioned Onassis, when I was younger, I don't even remember it, but I got to tell you, as a young child, um, my parents and my relatives, they would come over to, to 
either my house or we go to their house just to watch. It was a series, wasn't it? A series? Yeah, it was. It was. It was and it was this big thing about watching the Onassis series. And I was like, such. I was young at the time. I don't know, maybe not to date you, but uh, I think I was like maybe ten years old. I mean, I'm not Are sure. Are you that much younger? I don't know. <laughs> you look much younger than both of us, but. <laughs> But I was so proud because my, my dad and my uncles were so proud of Onassis. It's like, oh, we need to watch this. We're Greek. We have to watch this. Yeah. That's cool. That's great. Um, I was, it was, it was really weird. Onassis? I played his best friend, and it was really strange. I went to that audition. Father Chris Kravulis was with me. I call him the Forrest Gump of my life. Every time he's with me, something happens. And he was downstairs. And I said, look, this will take a minute. I, just, I don't think anything's going to happen. I went upstairs. I remember I got halfway through the audition. And they're like, hey, could you go outside for a second? They came back. They said, we, we don't know if we can age you up enough, but we'd age you up to consider playing Onassis himself. I about fell off of my chair, but I couldn't age enough. So I ended up just playing his best friend, but I was so grateful. And who um, was his best friend? Oh, I can't remember the name now. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to look at it. I'd have to look at the credits. So did, you get to, did you because of that part? Did you get to meet anyone from the family? No, I what I got was I got a I went to uh, Spain. Yeah, and um, and we never, you know, I was typical me. I was digging in and getting the Greek accent right and everything. And I showed up on the set and I'm like, "What are you talking like that for?" Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how Greeks talk, you know, and. Uh, because we're not making a spaghetti Western here. Uh, it was, I learned something, you know, talk about a great memory. I remember Raul Julia was on the set the first day I was shooting. And I was watching. I didn't say a word. And I was watching, and I'll never forget. Oh, my God. I wish he was alive because I'd call him and tell him the story. But I was watching, and I was just, look, I love acting. And I was intense about it in a polite way, hopefully. But, um but even to this day, if I do it, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm not monkeying around with that stuff. So um, they finished the scene. Raul finished the scene, and somehow he ended up coming over to me, and he said, what did you think? And I said something, do you really want to know? Because they wrapped. They wrapped for the day. And I said, wow. I would have done this, this, and that. And he said, you're right. He turns around the director and goes, hold on, hold on, don't wrap, don't wrap. I just about die because when it's wrapped, everyone's, you know, they're gone. They're going out drinking or eating or whatever they're doing. Yep. And he goes, no, no. He goes, we're, we're going back. We're going to do this again. And the director came over and said, don't ever do that again. Oh. But I had Raul's, you know, Raul and I were tight after that because he I, I, I've read a lot that Raul's like was a really, really good guy. Great guy. Great guy. And I just, you know, what I learned when you're around actors that care, you know, I worked with Kramer, Michael Richards on this last film. I had to direct him. And I actually, and I also had scenes with him. And from the moment, you know, with Corbin was in it, Ed Asner was in it. When you work with those people within 30 seconds, they are going to, when you're acting with them or directing within 30 seconds, they're going to know whether you're the real deal or whether you're screwing around or just, you know, Phoning I'm it in. Sure, yeah. And those guys, when they know you're the real deal and you're, you're going hundred percent, they are, they love it. Cause that's the way they trained. That's the way they are. So all those actors, uh, Valerie Harper was another one. I, I, I was working on a TV movie with her 
And same thing, she would look over, what do you think? What do you think? Because they can tell when you're in it. And so uh, I had a great experience with Valerie as well. Tried to get her in our last movie, couldn't get her in it. Wow. She was Rhoda in uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. what an interesting ride, uh, Bob, to be able to be, you know, going from pre-law to now, you know, mingling with uh, some of the greats in, in the film industry and having parts in, in movies that, uh, for us, especially in our generation, um, you know, are, you know, part of our, our, our past. And looking back, it's amazing to know, you know, that you are part of that. Thank you. Yeah. A small part, a small part. Well, you know, was small or large, you were still part of it. That's what's the most important for us. You know where it crossed over for me into, I think what happened was I saw the movie, She's, yeah, She's Got a Habit by Spike Lee. And I remember up until then, the film industry, don't look at it like it is now. Back then, they were relegating the African-American actors and community to playing thugs and drug dealers. And it was just, that's, that's who they had them labeled as. And She's Got a Habit came along. And I remember sitting in the audience watching that day and seeing that audience react. And it was just crazy. And what they were really saying through their applause and cheering and talking back to the screen is, to Spike Lee, you captured us. This is who we are, not that other junk. And it was a low-budget film. And I remember looking at that, and then the brothers McMullen came out. Looking at that, and I said, I'm going to do the same thing for the Greek community because I don't think, I don't think you've, I don't think the public understands us. I think other than breaking plates and, right, you know, and all that uzo and all that stuff. Yeah, I just, yeah. it's very stereotypical the way they portray all the time. Yeah, and I just thought, I thought, oh, nah, that's, that's not who we. Are. I, so that was. Uh, 96, 1996. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try. And so um, I raised money and went out there and uh, had no clue if I could do it, how I would do it. It was just the most intense experience. And also too, I was dancing in that film. I didn't know. The big question then was, can Kranz dance? That's what I kept getting asked. Kranz didn't know if Kranz could dance. (laughs) That was pretty good. So I, uh, I, I studied, you know, I'd been studying, studying, studying. And um, that's when I made the movie, Do You Want to Dance? And that's where I met you, Forti. That's right. We were, that, that what happened was, if I can tell it uh, to the basic steps of this. So I made the film and the film was screening in Westwood for about four or 500 people. And all the studios were there. And Chris Columbus, who did Home Alone, introduced the film. I had brought in Dolby. They checked all the speakers. We'd watched it 100,000 times. Everything was set. And about 10 minutes into that screen, which was the screening where the studios were going to decide whether they want to buy it or not, um, the sound started going out. And I remember I was in the middle of the theater, and I had to get up, and everyone just looked like, "Uh uh-oh, what just happened? And I got upstairs, and the light bulb that goes through the film that creates the sound was burning yeah. out oh. and they didn't, they didn't have another one. And it, you know, I talked before about th- three of the most important days in my life. This is what, this was, would go down as one of the worst moments of my life Oh boy! because everything was on the line. I was living with my wife 
at my mother's house because we put all our money and everything into the film. Oh. And, um, and it just, it was, it was like somebody says, once you ring the bell or once you put salt in water, you can't get it out. Um, it was, I'll never know to this day because there's people that were there that said, Oh, I didn't notice it. There's people there that said, yeah, it killed the film. But the long and short of it was, and it was during a holy season too, the film didn't get bought and everyone's like, "Mm, no, thanks. Mm, No, thanks. And, um, and we were so broke at that time, my wife and I. And so I remember, um, I remember going to our house and I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, God, I'm exhausted. I can't go on anymore. And I thought we had a deal back at St. Sophia. I said, but if, if this is it, if I'm, if you want me to stop, I'll stop. But I said, I, I'm going to be an angry son for a long time. Cause I, I really think this is what I'm supposed to do. But if, if that's your will, it's your will. And I got up cause there was one company Largo entertainment that did not make it that night. And they were looking for a film for can and they had called up and said, we're wringing our hands. We don't know whether we're going to get it, buy it or not. And that's when I went and prayed. And about, I don't know, 45 minutes later, I was at a store and my phone rang and I picked up and one of the other producers on the film, Mike Bremer said, um, do we have a lawyer? And I said, I don't know. I don't do we? And he goes, I go, why? And he goes, don't look up, don't look down. I think Largo just bought the foreign rights to the film. Wow. And, and that was, and, and that is what allowed me to continue on. Otherwise, I don't know that I would have. I don't know if I could have because it was such a, so difficult. We'd been at it for two or three years on this film. And what happened was I went overseas and when we came back from France, they bought just enough to license the music, which meant we could sell it. And what happened was we got back and my wife is, giving me the thumbs up. My mom and I are talking. My wife walks behind her, gives a thumbs up. And the, the ride back was so bumpy. I thought she was giving me a thumbs up because thank God we got home safe. Oh, okay. And uh, I, what I figured out after she did it, kept doing it four or five times. I'm like, what? She said, I just took a pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. Oh. <laughs> so, and then two weeks later, I come home, there's an ambulance outside. And uh, it was, I think maybe a month later, I came home, there's an ambulance outside. Rushed her to the hospital. We're there. I see we're looking at her stomach, and he said she flipped an ovary. It'll be okay. But as we're looking at it, I see these two sacks, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. And finally, I go, is that twins? And the doctor goes, yeah, it's, it's twins. He goes, I'm trying to figure out what this is. And he goes, I think it's the third one. He goes, I think it's triplets. And sure enough, it was. It was triplets. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. And it was triplet boys. <laughs> God sends you different messages, brother. (laughs) That was just incredible. Yeah. So I, I was, we were broke. We were, uh, had triplets on the way and just finished the film. And you guys will like this part. And so, and so Largo calls me up. They said, Hey, we we just packaged your film. We're going to sell it to Columbia for domestic rights. And I go, okay, uh, what do we get for that? And they go, you're, gonna, Bob, you're not going to get anything for it. But you can tell all your friends, hey, I, it's at Columbia Pictures, and you'll, you'll be the man. I go, okay. no, nah, I got three kids on them. I don't want to be the man. My wife's on total bed rest, and I'm living in my mom's house. I don't want to be the man. I want to be the guy that, that has a living, you know. And that day, Nick Laragakis calls me from uh, Ahi, 
American Hellenic Institute. Yep. And we're talking, he goes, hey, by the way, I'm in town. We got a meeting. Uh, why don't you bring over some of your videos and see if you can sell them? Go back to my wife. I'm like, and I said, Nick, nobody knows me. No, and then they were going to go, what? Bob Cranston, what? No, not. He goes, I'm Bob, just, just show up, bring something. So I talked to my wife. She goes, my wife's on total bed rest now. And she goes, there's a box by the dryer. Fill it up with videos and see what happens. So I filled my little box with 20, 25 videos. And Bob, I go, were, they, were, they D, were they CDs or, D, or DVDs? No, it was VHS, man. Yes. <laughs> no, old school. Yeah, I love it. This, yeah, this, this will reinforce this. So I yep. put out my little yep. sign, 1995, and Nick comes by. He's like, what, what is that? You think somebody's going to give you change? Just put $20. Come on. You know, so I put on my little sign. No sooner do I put it out and some Greek guy walks. I wish I knew who it was. He walks up and he hands me a bill. We were so broke at that time. I didn't realize they had changed the currency. And I, I said, I don't have any change. He goes, for, for what? And I go, for 100 He goes, no, this is a 20 <laughs> It changed the currency. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. So I went home after the event and I walk into the bedroom. My wife's there and I put the two $20 bills on the bench. She goes, all right, it's 40 bucks we didn't have. And I pull out two more $20 bills. She goes, oh, wow, that's cool, man. What do we got, 80 bucks? And I take the whole wad and I just throw it over the bed. We sold every one of them. God bless you. And I, and I called up Largo the next day and I said, I'm going to pass on your offer. And they said, Bob, if you were here, We'd hang you by your thumbs out the window. You are so stupid for doing that. They said, what do you do? I said, I'm going to start a company called Elinas Multimedia. And I'm going to take out an ad in the Orthodox Observer. I'm going to tell them my story. And I'm going to see what happens. And they go, that is the dumbest thing. When your five Greek friends buy it, then what are you going to do? <laughs> and I go, well, I think I have more than that. But at least I'm going to sell it to those five Greek so, friends. because Just to stop you, Bob. So basically... That was the moment at that event that you sold your DVDs yeah. that you said to yourself, did a light bulb pop up and say, you know what? That was it. Maybe a monster. My wife, and I couldn't, neither, my wife and I couldn't sleep that night because we knew something had happened. Both of us woke up the next morning, this little stack of $20 bills on our, on our dresser. Yep. It felt like $10 million because we, I knew right then and there Okay, I, I had seen the light. So you're, you're, you're up all night, you're, the, the wheels are spinning, and you're saying to yourself, I got I to gotta make this happen. So what happens next? What happened was uh, we, at 12 weeks, my wife went into labor, and the doctor said, you're going to lose all three kids. Ooh. And we were praying and praying, and, and, and they were telling us at the time to abort two of them. Oh. So, you know... Back to that day, I prayed in the church. You know, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I was praying to that same God and saying, help. And so was everybody else. And I just said, God, we don't want to abort them. And the, the doctor told us, look, I'm not worried about you aborting these kids. What I'm worried about is your wife's going to give birth to three invalids and your lives are over. And years later, multiple times, not just once, multiple times, I saw people that were triplets that were blind and deaf or were blind or had lost one or two of them. This has never left me, that moment of, of how serious it was, the hardest moment of my life, knowing, like, what do we do? 
Yeah. And, you know, thank God my wife is Greek Orthodox. Her last name is Coretis. And we prayed and we prayed and cried and cried and prayed. And we told the doctor, we're going to stick with it. And he, she went on total and complete, absolute bed rest. And there was no real internet at that time. It was just starting up. But God had a warrior in my wife, Tricia. That that woman, he, he knew who he was getting. Those tiny little thing, five, three, maybe 105 pounds. I was, I was reading books at night and coming back in the morning and saying, okay, this is what we got to do, Trish. You got to put on like 60 pounds to feed those kids. And I'm going to make you the food. And it's not food you like. Because my wife's a very, like, she's just not a big eater. I said, but you're going to have to drink a ton of water. You're going to have to feta cheese omelets and ice cream. And you're going to have to go with it. And God bless that woman. That woman is, oh. man, oh, that woman is just, you know, she's something extraordinary. So she was going into labor. They gave her what they call a cerclage. It stopped the labor. And then every week we would, her, she, she'd go into contractions and say, oh, my God, this is it. We go in the emergency room. Okay, okay, it's okay. And this went for week 15 to 18. To, can you get to 24? And she was putting on weight. And they're like, wait, can, can you just, the blood vessels in the brain will connect at 30 if you can just get there. And, and finally, I think it was at 32 or 33 weeks, they were wheeling her in at this point because she couldn't even walk. And the doctor said, um, Trish, and this was one of the foremost experts in the world, he said, I've been wrong all along. He said, why don't you just tell me when you're going to give birth and I'll show up. <laughs> she wow. said, December 20th, 1998. And that's when they were born. And, um, that's crazy. Yeah. and I said, well, how did you know? She goes, she, she told doctor that's the day. And she goes, look, I figured out everybody's schedule in the hospital. And I knew his wife was on the anesthesiologist. She was going to be on call then and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, Chris, Nick and George were born that night. And so what happened next was, I stopped everything and I had one goal in life. When God gave me those three kids, um, I was not going to screw it up. And I, I dedicated the next, well, 21 years of my life, but in particular, the next uh, 18, I, those boys were never out of my sight because I was not going to screw up and I wasn't going to let them get on drugs. I wasn't going to let them go just, I, I knew what God gave me and there was, and I was completely focused on raising those three kids to the best of my ability. And along with that, to, to support my family, I had to start, okay, I can't make another movie. What am I going to do? And I thought, all right, you know what? I always wanted to know who my saint was, Saint Hanalobos, and I, I, no one could ever tell me. You know, the internet wasn't there. My mom would get something from a book and I'd read it and be like, oh my God, that's my saint. So I came up with um, a series called The Saints. And we did St. Hanalmo, St. George, St. Nicholas, St. Catherine, St. Demetrius, the Archangels. We just did uh, just, I think, 18 total Archangel Michael. And I sent them out, I think, by fax. And suddenly people started buying them. And I'm like, okay, what else would I want? I would want my kids to speak Greek. Came up with Greek for kids, one, two, three, and four. And everyone else wanted their kid to speak Greek. So we started developing 
a humongous database of Greek Americans and a following. And that essentially is what I did for the next 15 or 16 years was I built that company up. And then at about year 16, I thought, okay, the kids are sophomores in high school. I think they're old enough to know like kind of what I do. I think I can make a movie. So I made Christmas with the Karunzises and I think it was like the third or fourth night. I'm like, guys, why don't you come down? You can watch filming. And I don't think they really understood because we were shooting a scene in the, one of the bedrooms and they were in one of the other rooms watching on the monitor. And when they, we finished the scene, I came walking around the corner. <laughs> they were staring at me like, what are you doing? Like, what, what is all this? And they were just, I, I don't think they could believe it. And we, we, we did it very quickly in a couple of weeks. And then I remember on the last night I came home and my son, George put a note on the door when I walked in and said, are you done yet? And I went upstairs and I told my wife, I'm not going to make another movie until they're in college. Okay. I knew, I knew what he was telling me is, um, I need you. I'm, I'm only a sophomore in high school and I need you. And, um, what would happen for the, and Ari was, I would book these events for screenings and book signings and stuff. And they would be in New Jersey and Boston. Right, right. And I would tell them, look, I'm, I'm committed to coming, but my sons play football. And if somehow they end up in the playoffs, that's the only reason I would cancel on you. Well, how did, sure how did enough, that What's that? Well, how did that go? Sure enough, they started getting my one son ended up going into the state championship. And, I, I called up and I, I was like, oh my God. I stayed up all night, took a red eye out of there, walked into the theater in New Jersey. I think it was like a noon show, bleary eyed, place was packed. It was such an incredible response. Signed everything, everything got in the car and flew back the same night so I could take the kids to school the next morning. Wow. <laughs> That's a dedicated oh, I'll stay with you forever, right? I mean. <laughs> It was it the balance was, of, a, of a parent. Is, and, that's, and I think that's what I write about in, in every one of my films is uh, uh, trying to balance between being a father, trying to be somebody who supports your family, um, and trying to keep your sanity. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not easy. It's, I'm, so I'm, I'm you've somewhat had, over the, You've over had a pretty, a pretty interesting ride in life uh, like most of us have. I mean, you've got to so many different pinnacles in life. So fast forward now, um, here you are today, and uh, you've got all this great, uh, uh, you know, accomplishments in your life that I see from every, from every angle and level. What's, what, are you, what are you up to these days now, Bob? What's going on in your life? What happened was when I finished Christians with the Karunzis, I had written a book called Falling in Love with Sophia, and I was going to make that into a movie. And at the 11th hour, I switched and made faith, hope, and love. And something just told me to do it. And that ended up becoming a huge hit for us. Um, and what it did was it combined two things. It allowed me to make a movie that still has Greek in it, which my characters are always Greek or somebody's Greek in it. There's Greek stuff in it, Greek dancing and all that. But it also opened up to a broader audience too, and uh, because we had in this film, uh, Peter Murgatroyd from Dancing with the Stars, Ed Asner, 
Corbin Bernson, M. Emmett Walsh, uh, just a, and Kramer, and Michael Richards. Uh, so we had we opened it up to more of a broader audience, and then we were lucky enough to sell it to Netflix. Netflix bought it oh. just again by the grace of God. The film was supposed to come out, went into the theaters, went around the country to about forty cities, and then it was supposed to go on a Netflix in about six or seven months ago. They asked me, what do you think? And I said, look, if you want my honest opinion, I would wait until next uh, Valentine's Day, which most producers wouldn't say because they want to get paid their money. They'd be like, no, like do it right now. But I just thought that was the appropriate time for it. Never knowing in any, how could I have ever conceived that the moment the, the movie went on the Netflix, the uh, COVID virus would hit. Yeah. Everybody began watching Netflix. And that film just took off like wildfire for two reasons. One, because of COVID, people were looking for something that was positive and uplifting. And that's what, that's the movies that I make. And number two, um, Netflix was getting more and more and more subscribers because people were starting to watch it because of COVID. And so uh, it's done incredibly well up there. And then I sat back and I thought, okay, what do I want to do next? I was going to think about making Sophia again, falling in love with Sophia. And I started at the gym, which is where I think I get all my ideas. I'm sitting there. Somebody, I've been talking to somebody previous to that. She had mentioned about having triplets. I said, oh, I have triplets and she was minor three. I go, minor 21. I said, I would go back for a week with my triplets at three, but that's about all I could take. And I was driving home and I thought, wow, that's an interesting idea. What if you had, what if you had to go back and relive one week of your life? Oh, one week. What week would it be? Oof. Oh, that's a, that's a that's a really cool idea. And that was the concept, and so it took me about eight months. I just finished the screenplay. It's called A Marriage Made in Heaven, <clears throat> and um, and so what I'm doing now is all the prep work for it. What people don't realize or don't see is the prep work on these films for me prepping because when this film, like the last one came out, I was the co-director, the writer, the producer, the actor. I danced in it. I edited it. Um, I distributed it. You know, if you go back and look at the history of film, which is, I don't know, hundred years, something there's, I don't know that there's, you know, without patting myself on the back and hopefully it doesn't sound like a jackass. I don't know that anyone else has ever done that. Mm. Uh, um, where you literally edit, write, produce, and dance, and you do it all. You know, now people may see you suck at it, but hopefully they don't. But there's much respect for all that that you do. Absolutely. 100%. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so and going into the next film, I'm doing the same. But what I've learned is it takes me about a year of prep time to write it, prepare for the dance, to get in the type of shape I need to be in to do all the dance numbers, yep. uh, and then to be prepared to direct, to cast this. So right now I'm in the prep, prepping phase, which is is hard, hard work. It's every day. and it's But it's it's once you cross that over that line and you're prepared and you're ready, that's when it gets to be fun. Wow. So you've got a lot that we can say – uh, in the form of entertainment, you've, you've got all these productions out. Is there anywhere that our listening audience can actually 
find a lot of your work and follow you and uh, look into all the products that you have. Like, give us some insight on, uh, you know, where where can our listening audience find you? you? If, you if you, I wish I had a shorter name for it. My friend always makes fun of me. Uh, if you go to elinasmultimedia.com. Yep. Elinas, E-L-L-I-N-A-S, multimedia, M-U-L-T-I-M-E-D-I-A.com. Right. Uh, that's where all our stuff is. It's everything from, I wrote a book called Guide to the Divine Liturgy, Guide to Holy Week, to Falling in Love with Sophia was a book I wrote, and then to the movies, uh, Faith, Hope, and Love, and Christmas with the Caroonses, and Do You Want to Dance, and Greek for Kids. All that stuff's up there. All that's I just want to throw out, Bob, real quick, that uh, because you put my quote about falling in love with Sophia on your newsletter, everybody knew me, and everybody was asking me about that. And you know, I have to tell you, you know, LBS, that was so articulate, that quote. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I read the book. I literally read the book in one sitting, which I didn't do. And then I was like, wow, this is a great book. And I just, like, fired off the email to you. And then I see this newsletter that's going up with thousands of Greeks. And everybody's like, hey, I just saw your name on uh, this newsletter. I was like, Wow. It's on the poster well, thank too. <laughs> thank you. It was such a. It was so thought out. You know, a lot of times people just say, "Great, I loved it, etc." But <clears throat> what you wrote was so thought out, and uh, that that it's all that's. You know, the greatest feeling in the world is. I can't even begin to express to you what people have written. Going back to "Do You Want to Dance?" "Christmas with the Caroonses," and now "Faith, Hope, and Love," uh, "Falling in Love with Sophia." How deeply these things touch them being a typical greek though the minute i'm done and i hear the first two or three compliments like that my first thought is oh my god how am i going to do this again <laughs> right <laughs> you know so i uh, figure it out like you always I, uh, but i but it may it, it makes me put my best foot out there because i do know that the work is touching people and uh Definitely. And uh, hopefully this next film, I'm hoping to film this next film sometime in um, in November, December, or January, and then I'll start letting you guys and everyone know. Yeah, for sure. One other thing we're going to do, I don't know if this, to what degree this would interest you or your listeners, but very soon in the next month, we're going to be starting something called the Faith, Hope, and Love Community. Um, okay. it's, a face, it's a Facebook group. Yep. And what that's going to be is, where uh, life, faith, and entertainment come together. Uh, the number one thing I hear in these letters from parents and grandparents and everybody is that they're tired of the type of movies that Hollywood is putting out. Sure. And they like these movies that we're making, which have no, no swearing, no violence, and they're uplifting and have God in the, in the mix. And so we're going to let everyone know, not only it's not only be about the next movie, but, just a lot of stuff that deals with life and faith, family, entertainment, and, and that group. <clears throat> this is the thing I want to make clear. You can't bring about change with 100 people, 50 people, fan base. It's just not going to happen. I don't know when we start this group. If this group is, ends up being 5,000 people, it'll be wonderful, be great, but you'll never get change. If this group grows into a large number, the one thing about Hollywood, they could care less if it's about monkeys on the moon. If you have a big fan base, 
they will then come looking. Yeah. And if we can grow that fan base big enough, because they will do the numbers and say, look, if you have a million people that are interested in what you're doing, we're interested in what you're doing. And that's, that's where the well, next Bob, big push is going to come. be a part of that growth for you. Yeah. We would love it would help. Believe me, guys. I think if, if you ask me, I think that step is, is, the, is what all of this has been headed towards. And I just don't know what lies on the other side. I don't know if it's going to be like 20,000 people and people are going to be like, oh, you should be so proud of yourself. I just know the reality. And the reality is, um, let me put what the hope is. The hope is that that number is going to be so big that once that number gets to a certain size, it will be a game changer because they will say, what movie do you want to make? And I won't have to make these films for, you know, five cents gum and, and, a, and a shoelace, you know, I'll actually be able to get them right and start being able to put even bigger actors and actresses in it, shoot them properly. And uh, that that's the most critical step. And anything anyone can do to help us build that audience, that would be huge. Well, you're oh, more absolutely. Than yeah, we're there. there. We're there for you. Yeah, we're there for you. You're more than welcome. Obviously we're going to have you come back uh, not just as a guest, but as, as, as a, you know, family friend of ours, um, to keep us updated on what you're doing. And I think it's by far, you know, very interesting that uh, you've, you know, as a Greek American uh, have made a lot of strides uh, in these different sectors of the industry. Um, And not only that, but I think you've really uh, connected with us as Greek Americans about who we are in our experiences. And you kind of hit it home with a lot of what you have said. And I think a lot of our listening audience will actually appreciate who you are and what you do and what you're about to do. So, Bob, we definitely wanted to thank you for your time, uh, for joining us. I'm sure you've got a lot going on, and it's all about us connecting, and that's what this is all about, connecting Greeks together and uh, kind of being the the voice for all of us. Um, And is there any last minute or anything else you just want to sign off with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you asked because there was one last thing I want to say. One day somebody asked me, uh, do you want to be famous? And I said, no, not really. I said, that, that doesn't really hold. I said, well, wait, wait, let me take that back. I said, one thing I would love in fame, if I could walk into a Greek restaurant one day and somebody would know me. <laughs> you know what? We're going to work on that. We're going to definitely work on that. No, I, I'm sure that happened already. I'm sure. No, no, no. It doesn't. But I mean, I, Greek Island, Chicago, I go there all the time, and, and it's just nothing. But well, like, one oh, day, if I ever walked in a restaurant, and if somebody knew me in a Greek restaurant, I'd be like, I'd look up to heaven and go, Mom and Dad, I made it. <laughs> it, will, it will happen one day. Oh, yeah. That'd be Absolutely. pretty cool. You just got to keep so this. We, we just want to say, everybody, check out elinasmultimedia.com. We're going to link that from, our, uh, from the podcast. Uh, check out his movie, Faith, Hope, and Love on Netflix. And, uh, Bob, we're going to see you or virtually see you. Uh, again, and uh, we'll have you maybe as a co-host on another episode, which we talked about before. So uh, everybody stay tuned for that. Amen. Whenever you guys need me around and anyone I can help, let me know. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you. All right, guys. Be safe. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.